The University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. All right, there we go, people. You should be able to hear us. Once again, I'm Corey Coleman. Welcome to another Double Toasted interview. You couldn't hear us before, and I'll tell you what happened with that in a little while. <laughs> and, I, and I am so sorry. This is very embarrassing, but this is very appropriate for the guests that we are talking to today. Uh, I am fortunate enough to be talking to an animator whose stuff I've been seeing for a while. And as I was saying earlier, you have probably had some of the reactions as I've had to the stuff that he's done. And I am talking to animator and creator of the Meat Canyon YouTube channel, Hunter Hancock. How you doing, Hunter? I'm doing very well. Thank you, man. I am so sorry about what happened. And Hunter, this is very uh, uh, appropriate for the way we're starting out today. Uh, you just got married, right? I did. I am, fr I am freshly married. Okay, so what happened with <laughs> today it should be sort of a... Uh, sort of a warning in a way <laughs> your wife is going to probably come in one day and mess with your stuff my wife has just started streaming on twitch and she's using my stuff in here and sometimes she'll sneak in here and won't tell me what the hell she's doing so all my settings are thrown off and that is why we couldn't hear anything today but thank you so much for your patience man i appreciate that oh it's no problem at all yeah i'm so happy to be here i appreciate it man yeah i've been looking at some of your i just showed a, a picture right here man uh beautiful bride you got there yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very much. I've been looking at that, and I've been looking at these crazy ass Instagram pro uh, proposal pictures that you've been doing. Uh, yeah, but uh, JC Penny was Classic. that actually gotta, done? Gotta leave the got, gotta leave the watermark in there. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that meant that you got the photo for free because they left the watermark in there, right? Yeah, that was the uh, that was the free picture, but we ended up getting some <laughs> physical copies, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> so were those actually done at JC Penny then? Oh yeah, yeah no, yeah. JC Penny, it was a great uh, hour-long photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are great, man. I wish uh, I would love to do stuff like that. My wife does not have this kind of sense of humor. She would never do something like that. So that's cool that you were able to get your your wife or at the time fiance to do stuff like that. But let's get into uh, your background here, man, and what you do. So, people, for those who have not seen Hunter Hancock's stuff, uh, do you want to, you know, I could tell people about what you do, but I, since we have you here, I'd rather people hear it from you. Uh, you want to describe your YouTube channel to everybody out there? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I make funny animations for uh, YouTube and stuff. I try to draw on uh, nostalgia 
and other parts of uh, people's you know childhoods and yeah. distort them in ways uh, for various emotional responses, whether it be horror or set like depression or something. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> you know, um, I've been introduced to several of your videos. People have just sent me those things i can see why they go viral and they get they rack up the views that they do because people have i've gotten so many videos of people saying man have you seen this what the hell is this <laughs> you know like like i created it or something but you know uh one of the first things that i saw that i quickly admired for your your dark sense of humor uh and i'm not and you know a lot of people will you know, I'll say things to be nice and whatnot. I can tell you, I was mm. genuinely fascinated by the first video that I saw of yours, which was uh, when you wish upon a star. It was uh, oh, right. sort of a Pinocchio parody that uh, that you did here. And, uh, you know, mm. like I said, usually when you watch these things, it's it's usually followed by what the fuck is this? You know, what I mean? and mm. that's the first time I've ever heard like that used in a good way where people were, you know, they looked at it and they were <laughs> horrified, but they just couldn't stop watching at the same time. And there we go. All finished. Do I look like a real boy, Papa? You will one day, my little wooden boy. One day. I cannot wait any longer, Papa. I must become flesh and bone. Dear... God, Pinocchio, what are you doing? I must consume your soul to become a real boy. Dear God, where's that fairy? Fairy, take away this puppet boy's life. He's evil. <laughs> I, I laughed my ass off when I first saw that, man. And one of the things <laughs> I was fascinated uh, about that is, you know, you do a lot of videos where they're parodies of popular uh, popular shows and popular movies usually directed towards kids and then you do this the spin that you have on it um mm. where do the you know i'm gonna ask the obvious question right now so you know where are these ideas coming from and more particularly where are the ideas coming from to combine your dark sense of humor with what are usually uh children's properties um i mean i chose i chose children properties because i feel like we you know we're conditioned now to want reboots and remakes and all sorts of stuff. And I think that people like to point at things that they've, you know, that they have a preconceived notion of and mm -hmm. be like, oh, I know what that is. And be able to switch the flip, being able to switch the, uh, or flip the switch on that is usually generally pretty easy. Um, in terms of like subject matter, I think it just comes from pff, any kind of mental uh, struggle you might have where it's depression, anxiety. Uh, existential dread or something like that. I think it all kind of falls into play. And I think it's also just like maybe literature that I'm reading or anything that's going on of like a love for Edgar Allan Poe or, you know, HP Lovecraft or something. I think it all kind of correlates together and uh, can be, you know, maybe pointed at that that's the cause, but I think it's maybe a variable things. So do you, uh, do you go through depression? Do you, do you have clinical depression and, and anxiety? Uh, have you been treated for that before? You know, I don't know if I've been, I mean, I've never been to the you know doctor for nothing, but you know, I mean, yeah, I would say that I'm a really anxious person. I feel depressed a lot. I, you know, I, I, I deal with those things um, to an extent. I wouldn't say that uh, definitely not, you know, 
doctor uh, prescribed or whatever. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say that like a lot of the ideas that I come from stem from those kinds of uh, mental states that you might be in, you know? Yeah. You know, I, and so I look at these and is this a outlet for that then? Uh, does this, is this almost like, a, you know, I'm not a, I don't want to sound like a, a therapist or a doctor or anything because I'm not, but is, is, are these mm. sort of ways of uh, coping with, with those feelings making these videos here? Yeah, I mean, sure. I think that anything creative or anything that you do is always an outlet for those things. You know, I think that like even if you're going through something and you do these shows, I'm sure it's a creative way to express yourself and feel, you know, to get out of that mindset. But I think that especially for my stuff, I feel like it can be an extreme filter. Like I just made a cartoon recently called uh, Breakfast on a Wednesday, and it's just about the struggle of weight loss and stuff. And that's just something I've been dealing with. And uh, I think that you can put those bad thoughts into a good use or that kind of mindset into a more productive use, or at least, you know, try to maintain those things because there certainly isn't a cure, but you can at least, uh, you know, treat yourself right in those regards. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about this later and I didn't, you know, and of course mm. this is very personal right here, but as you've just said, you know, you, you've struggled with, with weight. Uh, is something that, and I read that it was uh, something that you've kind of done most of your life that you've struggled with, with weight. Uh, is that something that kind of led you? Because I know coming up, I mean, everybody has their reasons for getting into what they do. I know being mm. socially awkward myself is what led me to, because I have a, a, you know, I, I worked in animation too and drawing mm. and whatnot and also being sort of socially anxious and, and awkward had, you know, led me to drawing and wanting to do better at it. It's one of the few things that I thought I was good at. Is that sort of the same sim, or similar situation with you? You know, you just kind of went into drawing and animation because of your weight loss and maybe being socially awkward too? No, no, not at all. No, I had an awesome, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I had, I had, I had an awesome like childhood and high school experience. I'm a very social person. I just, uh, just like the little weird things. I got into animation just because I liked the way that it brought people together. Like I think that in like seventh grade, I really noticed that like it didn't matter who, you know, can I, or can I cuss on this? I, oh, I have yeah, very loose yeah, list. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say, I didn't, you know, it didn't matter who the fuck you were. It was like, Everybody was talking about the new episode of Family Guy or the new episode of South Park and being able to like bring people together in that regards, especially from like an artistic standpoint. I was just like, that's just awesome. Like, I, I, I love that. And I think that art has always just been something I gravitated towards. And it's just something that I feel like I've always been comfortable doing. Um, but no, I would never say it comes from that. I just think until of recently, I think that when you as you grow up and shit, things and stories that you tell become less about maybe extravagant places that you want to, you know, want to go, but instead you want to convey personal stories that you're actually going through. And I think that it's like a healthy filter and it becomes, you know, becomes easier to tell because you're living it, you know? Yeah. You know, you, so you, you were talking about how you thought animation brought people together. That's a very interesting point because, you know, you're talking about also things like, like South Park and family guy and whatnot. So, mm. you know, what, what and are who, were some of the biggest influences on you as an animator? Oh yeah, I think like I think by far my biggest influence is Mike Judge. Um, I think everything Mike Judge makes is amazing. Uh, King of the Hill is one of my favorite. I mean, obviously Matt Stone, Trey Parker, but I always just gravitated towards King of the Hill for some reason. And I think even like growing up, uh, not even from a non-animation standpoint, I think even like reading like Todd McFarlane Spawn comics or like. Uh, you know, Mike McNola Hellboy stuff. I think that like gravitating to that more horror aspect has always been kind of a natural transition. That's like something I've always been 
you know, really passionate about, but like the being able to take real life characters such as like, you know, Hank Hill or any of that stuff, they all feel very real and they feel like they come from a personal place. Whereas like Cartman, you know, he's hilarious, but it's hard to like, really, you may know somebody who is like him, but nobody is ever like truly Cartman, you know, <laughs> yeah, we Vers- versus like, I know seven people that are like Hank Hill or like, 10 people that are like Dale, you know what I mean? It's like, it feels way more real. Granted, I grew up in Kansas city, Missouri. So I feel like that's probably a little more skewed, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I found it to be very applicable to my own life. You know that. Okay. So that's, that leads me to a interesting question here. And I'm going to ask this mm. along inside another, uh, another thing I want to bring up. So, you know, your videos are usually parodies, as I said, of, uh, of, of children's properties, but more particularly, uh, like you center on like really famous icons, you know, and corporate images a lot, you know, a lot of Disney and mm. Looney Tune parodies and whatnot, and you make them uh, anywhere from um, completely unsettling uh, to grotesque and horrifying. And I, I got one video here. This is another one that somebody sent to us. Like, man, have you? Have you seen this shit? This is, this is insane. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about this too, especially with sort of uh, the small controversy that you've had with this. Uh, I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. of people have seen your parody of Wabbit Season, which I'm going to show a little bit right here. Mm. This little rabbit's hopping down the old bunny trail. Please let me go, Mr. Bunny. Looking like a double-wide surprise. God damn. Bugs, that's enough. Look at you, son. Look at what you've become. I'm what you made me to be, father. <laughs> you know, this is, and it's, it, it's, it's actually started out very unsettling. It got a little, little more tame as it went along, but I, yeah. uh, but you know, I like the way you just went right in on that. I, you know, mm. when you, when, when I look at these, sort of coming from what you're saying, I got two questions here uh, mm. around this. So one. Uh, I look at these these parodies that you do, but you talk about how you love something like King of the Hill because King of the mm. Hill, these are real relatable characters. Now, mm. I, I, you know, I love these animations that you do, but I hope nobody's relating to, to these. You know, I hope no one knows anything mm. or anyone like these these characters that you've done. At some mm. point, do you see yourself maybe? Uh, I mean, you'll probably still do the parodies, but do you see yourself maybe taking a, you know, step away from the parodies every now and then and maybe doing something that is a little more character driven, uh, are relatable like King of the Hill? You know, uh, I think so. I think that like, though the Bugs Bunny thing is an extreme example, I tried to make it everything as applicable as I can in terms of relatability. I think that that cartoon, the whole premise is dealing with, uh, somebody you love who is doing mm-hmm. something wrong. Like that's the whole premise. It's about his father, you know, struggling to understand why his son does the things he does mm-hmm. versus that could be applicable to, you know, maybe you have, know somebody who's a, addicted to drugs, alcohol or something like that. Um, I think it's just because it's an animation though, you can really push the limits of what these things are and, uh, get some kind of humor or comedy out of it. But in terms of parody, yeah, I mean, Definitely. I, you know, I, I, I want to do more and more. I think it's just more for a business reason or for, uh, more for a, you know, just, uh, growth that you still have those parodies in there because I just think it's like, it brings traffic to your channel a lot easier, but I Mm -hmm. think definitely, I mean, I'm trying to work on my own IP as much as I can. Um, you know, 
uh, yeah, as much as as much as I can. And I and I, I'm hoping that with the show I'm working on right now that it uh it tells relatable stories and that the premise is relatable in a in a weird way because that's just the the stuff I like to you know tell. Yeah, no, I, I get it, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, also. And thank you for that. And I never thought to look at it that way. Like, you know, maybe this is a re- uh, there's something in here that's relatable. Like, you know, somebody who's flawed like this. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is, uh, so these these uh, these things that you parody, I mean, they can be looked at different ways by different people. You could be maybe they're corporate figures that you that you're satirizing because maybe you have some contempt for them or maybe you're doing it because you really love them and you're just putting your own spin on it. I mean, do you, do you, mm. do you like these characters or is there like some just sort of disdain for the corporate nature behind them? Yeah. I think that everything that I make, it's, it comes out of a love for it. I mean, like, I think that, you know, I, I, I think it would be wrong to just make or spend time on an animation that already takes so much time to make something that you just hate and you're like just trying to drag it through the dirt. I don't think that's productive. I think that a lot of these ideas and inspirations come out of like natural loves or natural, you know, respect you have for something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to see Bugs Bunny being a struggling rapist. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's never an easy pill to swallow, but you know, it, it's not an easy pill to swallow because it's, you know, it's Bugs Bunny. It's the childhood icon type deal. So I, yeah, I definitely think that everything I make, I, to an extent I really love and admire and I, you know, have had an obsession with at some time or one another. Uh, you know, looking at these also, are you a fan of horror? I don't want to be yeah. presumptuous here. Well, you know, look, cause I, I see these, what mm. you do here and you know, all of these seem to have a, a common theme where, you know, they, they definitely have a, 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 a influence from horror, from horror. It seems like, uh, you know, the mm. surreal serial killers, maybe also to me, I see a lot of body horror in this. Uh, are there any horror mil- movies or horror films out there that have had any kind of influence on your animation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I think every I mean, every horror film I've seen, but I would say like within the last couple of years, I think that even seeing like some of the art house horror stuff of like, um, just new ways of people redoing horror that isn't just, you know, jump scares and all that kind of other mm-hmm. little bullshit. I think it's like, you know, whether it be like hereditary or things that like A24 puts out where it's more meticulous, it takes more time. It Maybe there isn't a huge climactic ending, but it was more so the experience that was horrific or kind of unsettling. And that's kind of like the point of it. Um, and I, I think that definitely some of the new age horror films have been really inspirational. I don't think that necessarily... I've been so drawn to like, you know, Friday the 13th or like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or stuff, even though I do have like a love for those as like just campy, fun movies to watch. I think that like whenever you watch a movie that's like really unsettling, but isn't just like, you know, it isn't looking to just like make you jump out of your seat. It's like meant to just like slowly drive a screw into your head. Like that's the kind of more of where I, I whenever I leave the theater, I'm just like, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, yeah, that was just like a, <laughs> that was a great experience. So, uh, you know, uh. We just took a look at your YouTube page over here, and congratulations mm. on the success of that, man. You got one point. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, you got one point eight, one point eight three million subscriptions or subscribers, to be mm. specific, right here. Uh, and we just finished talking about your, you know, uh, your short wabbit season here, and mm. there was a. 
thing going on with this where Warner Brothers came in and they said that, you know, this is not so much parody in that, you know, this is straight on uh, taking our, 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 our IP. Uh, mm. And so therefore we own the rights. And do I have this, do I have this right? Because they came in and t- you have to take it. Did you have to take this down? They, uh, they, they legally claimed it. Yeah. They, they said that it was from, they said that I uploaded a clip or I uploaded an episode. So it isn't necessarily that I even took from them because it's fair use. They said that yeah. I took an episode and uploaded it to my channel. Yeah. You know, so with you having so many subscribers and now you're doing these, doing these parodies and these satires mm. and have, you know, being, a lot of people are saying now that since, you know, the pop, the, the popularity of that channel has grown, they've been seeing this a lot where there's been a lot of copyright claims coming in. Are you experiencing mm. this more with some of the other things that you're doing? You know, really not too much. The, uh, the Warner brother thing, the Warner brother thing was definitely the biggest one. The one, you know, I, I've had it happen before, before, but you know, the Warner brother thing was just, at such a horrible, horrible time, it was like uh, it was like right at the beginning of when COVID was like at its peak, and like mm-hmm. everybody was taking time off, and it was right when uh, you know YouTube even said like, "Hey, we're not going to have a ton of people working. It's going to be a lot of like the bots doing stuff." So I think it just like got circulated really quick. I appealed it. I should have brought in a lawyer, but I didn't. I wasn't smart enough at the time to think about that. And uh, yeah, they sided with them, so it sucked, you know. And I've had. I've had a couple other cases, but usually once you appeal it, usually somebody will look at it and be like, no, you get like, this has nothing to do with the, you know, this is not your property type deals and you can keep it or whatever. But, but usually I would say the worst thing is like music. Even if you, like I did that Justin Bieber, uh, James Corden video with Ellen DeGeneres and, um, we did a beat that was similar to it, but we didn't use the actual song, but the, but the, uh, record company still claimed it. So I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, you even, uh, I guess you felt some kind of way because you even did a parody video parodying the takedown of the of the Bugs Bunny video. I have a little bit of it right here. Water Brothers brought down the force of God on our poor little rabbit. He was just a little rabbit. Though the day of reckoning has been brought upon us, I feel our little bunny has been taken someplace new, someplace where he can finally see perfection. Why was the blood of those who have taken so much from us? <laughs> you know, you have a lot of characters in there. So is that still up? Did the uh, did Warner Brothers come in and do anything or any other company come in and do anything with this? Uh, what's that funeral one? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, that's that one's good. It's uh, yeah, it was just a response to it. I mean, I didn't even show I think at the end of it, I don't even show the bunny. I think I just put property of Warner Brothers at the end of it in the casket. So it's like. Um, yeah, so I didn't even show the bunny cause I was afraid at that time that even if I showed the design I did that it would get flagged cause I had streamed previously on it and I, on my be right back screen, I have a, um, I have like a, you know, I, I loop my animations and my wabbit season played for like two seconds and my video got taken down. Wow. So it was like, so it was like, wow, I can't even on a live stream type deal. It was annoying. Really on a live stream. Were you on Twitch when you did it? No, on YouTube, yeah. On YouTube. Which I mean, it, it makes sense, but I was like to detect it that quickly. I was like, "Good lord." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we put up videos. We don't even like put them live now. We let them stay up there for about an hour to see if they'll be taken down. You know, uh right. I, I imagine that YouTube is your main source of income for this, right? Yep. 
So yep, is there it is a gem? Yeah. Is there any frustration? I mean, now you've heard a lot about YouTube and their appeal to advertisers and a lot of people. They even had a bug lately that took a lot of people's income down. Uh, right. Where they said, yeah, you, you probably heard about this where they were saying that uh, it was something where it was a bug that put, you know, put a false uh, view count in there and therefore the ad money was not legit. Um, have you been seeing any kind of frustration or kind of worry with YouTube since that is your main source of income? I mean, I personally didn't get affected by the bug at all. Uh, one of my buddies' channels did. I think that it's just it's it's hard to be mad at it. It's easy to point at YouTube and be like, you guys fucking suck or whatever. It's really easy. <laughs> but it's like there's like I forgot even the statistic of like there's like four like some 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 crazy amount of like amount of video storage or whatever that's uploaded every minute to YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that with everything, like people will get mad that the adpocalypse happened or whatever happens. And it's just kind of like, it's an ebb and flow. You kind of have to adapt. If you can't adapt or you're not willing to adapt, then you're going to fade out with it or whatever. I think that it's just, you know, if it's your job, I mean, you just have to ride with, ride the tides. You know, if I find that they're really cracking down on parody or like if they're cracking down on adult stuff again, cause I'm very blessed and I don't mm. like hardly any of my stuff ever gets demonetized. Um, which it does, but like, I would, I would say probably like 90% isn't, um, you know, I would just see how I can adapt to the changes and stuff because I really enjoy what I do. And, uh, instead of just like, it's kind of like the deal with the, uh, the wabbit season funeral thing. Mm -hmm. I could have made a video bitching about YouTube, like being like, you need to fix your copyright system. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, what's done is done. It fucking happened. I'm moving on. This is the stupid thing. If they want to claim, if they want to claim, uh, rapist Bugs Bunny and say that it's like a part of their property, <laughs> take them. I mean, you can have them type deal. Like it's whatever. And I got other stuff I can make and I know I can make more and stuff. So it's like, it's just, uh, I think it's just all about adapting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right about that. This is a, uh, this is that YouTube is something that is, they don't even know half of what's going on themselves with some of these things. So a lot of people just have to go with it. That's one, you know, I, 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 that that's one of the few positive attitudes approach that I've seen with this. Uh, mm. You know, uh, speaking of what you do, you've come a long way since your first video, which I believe you recorded the audio on an iPhone for, and uh, uh, you, it was recording on an iPhone. Uh, yep. And, and I don't, was it just, let me we'll take a look at it, because I, I think it was just you animating on it at the time too, right? Mm. Yeah. And this is, uh, I think, Barbarian Raid. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah, I got, yep. got this raid. Let's take a Take a look. We've seen some of the previous animations that Hunter Hancock has done. Let's go ahead and take a look at the first animation that he has done. All right. So now, at sundown, we'll have to strike upon the Trakens. It's the weakest spot. And see, actually, whenever we sit there and sit... Marty! 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 Yeah? What are you scratching your dick so much, man? You're, fucking, uh, you're scratching your dick. You're disrupting everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning a raid here. I mean, I'm planning a, I'm, I'm planning a raid. Is the more of the story. And you're over here scratching your dick like you're fucking mad at I it. I banged this chick last night, and uh, I think I got something weird. What the fuck you mean, got something weird? You get your it's fucking... got bumps, and there's... there's you gotta get that shit checked out. Let, let... <laughs> you know, uh, looking at this, I can definitely see... The, you know, the changes in style as anybody who has done something like this for a while. Uh, mm. Now, when was that made? How many years ago? God, 
2013, seven years ago. Seven yeah. years ago. Okay, so mm -hmm. how do you think your style has changed? I mean, even though we can look at it, just, you know, to hear from you, how do you, how do you think your, uh, your style has changed, both in uh, the art style and with the humor that we see here? How do you, uh, how do you think that that has progressed? Um, in terms of the style, I think that I just got way more comfortable with even how I draw things and stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, um, even human anatomy, how you practice and draw seven years ago, I was very comfortable with drawing, but I just wasn't, you know, a super talented artist. It's still had fun doing it, but I'm way more competent now, I believe, and just even in color theory and stuff. And in terms of like even mm -hmm. humor or the storytelling, you just you do something enough and you will just become more like just naturally more comfortable with it or like understanding story structure and everything. I do look at those times, though, and I look at that video still and I think it's just like the uh, freedom of just being like I remember I texted my friends and I was like, hey, I want to do this video about a barbarian who has like a uh, like disease ridden cock. <laughs> you guys want to come over and record with me? And they're like, yeah. And I just it was like that kind of freedom that I feel like uh, I've maybe lost a little bit just due to overthinking or like you're smarter now, you know, you're not willing to take all these, you know, and I take certain risks, but back then it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to make it because it's stupid. And this is like just funny. This is, this is just what I want to make. And there's a, uh, yeah, something really endearing still about that. I look back on that tune with actually very, very fondly. I love that. Yeah. What do you think? What do you, so what do you think that pressure is coming from? I mean, is it, is it now that you're making more money with it? Is your livelihood? Uh, do you have a, this, like this more professionalism that you're thinking about that you have to kind of keep up? You know, I don't even, I, I think it's just more, I mean, in terms of money and stuff, I don't really think it's that. I mean, I don't need to be making millions of you know dollars or something. I think it's more so just like an artist integrity of like you want to feel like what you're spending your time on or that like mm -hmm. especially as your an audience grows it is i don't even think i think a lot of people are like oh well i got more professional but i think it's more so that you want to uh, keep evolving like um even with the stuff that i have now it's only been a year and i feel like i've continually continuously tried to try new things or go out of my comfort zone just to keep that fresh and not feel content of just being like yep i know what people like because I feel like it just shit will get stale. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that uh, as you get older, you do get smarter just because you're just like, well, I mean, you know, and, and plus in 2013, I was probably dying laughing, like recording that and being like, oh, my God, it's so funny. Looking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, it's funny because I know that's me and my friends. But I would if I tried thinking of that idea now, I'd probably just I would be like, eh, I mean, eh. <laughs> I mean, it's OK. It's OK. It's nothing to write home about. But then it's like. But then it's also just so much more possibility. Like back then, would I ever feel like, oh, I'm going to make a Willy Wonka tune where it's 2D and 3D bl blended together and it's, you know, it's like a Jeffrey Epstein yeah. cartoon or whatever. I don't feel like I could have really thought of that or felt like I had the capabilities to do that. So I think it's just more so of being like the box is much bigger than it used to be. You know, I'm going to go to your channel, speaking of which, mm. since you talk about your change in style. I would love to find one of the animations that you've done where you have combined uh, 2D and 3D. I'm, and this is a golden ticket right here. Uh, yep. This is the Willy Wonka one that you're talking about. I'm going to go in and... Uh, can, is it okay if I show people some of this? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, man. Let me go ahead and I'll start from the beginning here. This is five minutes, so we're not going to, of course, show the whole thing. But 
we'll uh, definitely show as much as we can right here to give you a sense not only of uh, what this short is like and referencing, but also show you how the style has changed a little bit and combined a few things. Well, Charlie, you're the last child left. Isn't that exciting? I don't know. You're a very lucky little boy. You get to see what's behind that door. Now, Charlie, don't you want to see what's behind that door? I don't know. Come on, it'll be fun. Follow me. <laughs> huh, caught you taking a peek there, Charlie. <laughs> That's all right. Nothing wrong with window shopping from time to time. It's when you get handsy. It's when you get yourself into some trouble. <laughs> Come over here, Charlie. There's one last part of the factory I'd like to show you. Go ahead and taste the wall. Go on, try it. Well, what flavor do you think it is? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Charlie, I'm just messing with you. There's no flavor on the wall. You like that rust pretty good, though. <laughs> you know, <I'm, laughs> I've seen this one, and I love this one, too, man. Uh, now that things have gotten more advanced, you know, you're combining different art styles and different mediums. You have 2D and 3D combined together. Uh, are you? Do you have a team of animators that you're working with now? Uh, yeah, I have a pretty small team of people and artists and stuff that are uh, freelancer buddies and stuff that I get to work with. Definitely. Yeah. How big is your crew now if, for the people that you're working with? Uh, I think we're up to five people. I think five people in total. Yeah. Do you ever see for yourself? The, for, yeah. Oh, so go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say just for the parody stuff and the monster lab, we're at like 15 for the uh, monster lab thing. Okay. Well, since you brought a monster lab, let's go ahead and bring that up right now. This is uh, a Kickstarter that you're doing and, and I don't know if it's done. I've seen you've already exceeded your goal here. This is a, your Kickstarter for a series called monster lab right here. Uh, your goal was a hundred thousand dollars and you mm. managed to so far get 156,000 yep. $3,500 right here, man. Uh, is this done? This Kickstarter? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yes, uh, it is. Did all of the money come through all of the 156,000? No, uh, it's uh, the Kickstarter has to take a certain percentage. I think it's like seven percent, and then also you have to take that money and use it to pay for any kind of like physical stuff. So I think all in all, it was like ended up being one hundred and ten or something after everything was said and done. Still over what you were wanting to. Yeah, to yeah, get. no, I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm very happy with how it turned out, one hundred percent. So let's take a look at Monster Lab. As I said, this is a series that you want to do. Uh, yep. And this is the from this is from the Kickstarter video that you have up on your page uh, where you're talking about the Kickstarter itself and introducing the characters. Now, take it from me that I'm excited to make this, but also take it from Cats and Uno, the main characters of my series as well. Take it away, fellas. Thanks for watching the Kickstarter video. We really appreciate it, friends. Dear God, help us fund this project. Don't you want to see me make some monsters and shit? I mean, here, here come, come look at this. Come here, come look at this. See, I, I made this guy because I kept losing my house keys. I, I, I made this dude because I, well, I needed someone to water my plants. But here, uh, get in here, guys. Come here. I'm not going to beg, okay? 
but please fucking help us. <laughs> uh, so being that that's going to be a series, is that something that you want to keep independent or is that something that you want a network to pick up? Oh, I just want it to be on YouTube. Yeah, I don't want it to be on a network. Networks are, uh, you know, the only security you get from networks is money, but then it's everything that you make will become a watered-down version of what you wanted. Not to say that that's a bad thing because sometimes networks are really mm -hmm. great, but I just wanted to be like, I just want to make something. I don't want to have to wait years to make it or whatever. I'm just really excited to make it. And the team here in two weeks, the first episode one will be done. And then we're already starting episode two right now. Like, I just think like, I'm like, I just want to prove that it's like, you know, you don't have to have a network to make a, you know, a mm -hmm. animated series or something. Granted, I did my Kickstarter and stuff, but I think it just proves that there's an audience for it online and that I'm just excited to put out a full season that people can go back on for free and I'll put it up on Newgrounds or I'll put it up wherever, any, any fucking Pornhub, I'll put it anywhere online <laughs> type deal just to let it, just to let it get out there, you know? Yeah. No, I'm glad that you, uh, that you kind of have that spirit, man. I think that's, I want you know, I don't, I think, that, well, I don't know. How do you feel about this, man? Cause I've always had this thing that you have this, it's wonderful. A lot of these platforms and this freedom that you have now, thanks to the internet. And uh, mm. besides just money, you know, I always wondered, you know, what's the, what is the allure of going to a network where, as you say, it could slow things down. You know, every, you know everybody has to have a, uh, an opinion and a, a word on how this is getting done. I've always thought, mm. that, you know, you can do it independently, keep doing it. Um, do, do you kind of think the same way? Yeah, I think that, well, you, you know, and of course there's variables, right? Like not everybody is an animator, but they want to make an animated show or they have a great idea. So it's like, and they don't know any but animator friends. So sometimes it's like the networks can provide all these great insight and all these helpful teams. It's just mm -hmm. the benefit of if you're just like, hey, I know how to animate. I have animator buddies and stuff and you feel like you could do it on your own. It's just like, go for it. You know, I think that, um, I, you know, and the, the the fact of the matter, too, is that it's hard to, you know, pitch original IP and have it be, you know, received by people randomly. Yeah. So I think that another a big process was using the parodies and building a channel to kind of like, you know, prove that I can put that I can output things and that hopefully you can trust my sense of humor and stuff to when I start this Kickstarter that, you know, or when I started the Kickstarter that, you know, you could be behind an original idea. And I'm hoping that it's just people can get invested into the stories and characters that I'm telling and that, uh, it, it, it'll just be something fun that just exists on the internet free for people. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, you know, I, I've always admired people who kind of had that, that, uh, independent attitude about things. Have you ever been approached by a network before or any, or, or, or some producer that wanted to take your stuff and make something? Yeah. I don't know how much I can say, but yes, I have, I have several, I have, I think, three times in total and have you turned all those down yep yep nice nice man so you like staying independent then um you do some of the voices on these characters right i would say probably 90 percent of 90 percent yeah. of them so <laughs> yeah. is there <laughs> no that's you've man, you're obviously a very talented guy uh you do the animation you do the voice work being that you do the voice work do you do you like the acting when you do the voice work Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And I, you know, I a hundred percent would bring in way more talented people because I mean, I appreciate you saying that I, my range isn't very big, but I do enjoy it. It's just mostly you, the only person you have to rely on is yourself when you do it yourself, mm -hmm. you know? 
so if you have a guy and you're like, oh, I really want this guy to be in it, but then he takes two weeks to get back to you. Well, now your whole production schedule's fucked, and now you have to like figure out what you're gonna do. So, um, yeah, I, I I enjoy the acting of it, but it's I would say it's mostly because <laughs> it just keeps me on schedule. <laughs> I feel. Uh, well, I mean, have you ever wanted to do some real life acting? Being that you've done all the, you know, doing a lot of the voice work. I mean, you can do a lot of different things. You do have range. So is that something you ever thought about doing? Maybe live acting? Oh, I mean, I would love to. Yeah, I would do li- I would do live acting for anybody, a director who wanted me or something like that, or even voice acting or something like that. I think that maybe even in the future, you know, depending on where the horror thing goes and how I'm feeling and inspired or if I find some kind mm-hmm. of influx of cash or resources that I'd love to make like a horror film, like a live action thing. I think it'd be really fun. I think that'd be something that would be really cool to try. Well, okay, it's also going to be my next question, which I just—I think you just answered. So you would like to, at some point, do live action, whether it be a movie or whatever. Yeah, I think that I, I probably wouldn't do sketches necessarily. I think that it would probably—I would try to probably just do like a film. Like if I did anything live action, it, it would—I would probably just try to stick to like either a short, like a short film or like a actual like theatrical film or something, and see if you can't make an hour and a half on a budget or something like that, like a. Uh, yeah, like a little running gun team. Yeah. You uh, have any ideas for a horror movie right now? You know, I've always wanted to make a horror film where the metaphor is a man having a heart attack. Once again, it's just the uh, it's the association of being overweight and stuff and that kind of experience or like chest pains and every, all that kind of jazz. And I think that that kind of uncomfortable feeling or even through an anxiety attack, if you can capture how to – put that into a story somehow, I think that it could be really unsettling and really fun. I think that it could be a really fun take on it. That is, that, that isn't just like, you know, it's a talking doll that's possessed and we're, it's like, we need to <laughs> fucking cleanse the house or something like that. It's uh, I, I think it'd be really cool to do something along those lines. Got some people in our chats saying, damn, this man is, uh, it's amazing how multi-talented this guy is. Uh, do you mind if I ask the chat if they have any questions for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see any questions or answer anything I can. Yeah, now, I know there's a little bit of a slight delay here, a little bit of a lag, but mm. if anybody has any questions for Hunter over here, uh, this is you know one of the few times I've actually had time to come in and, and uh, take questions from the chat. So if anybody has anything that you'd like to ask right now, please do so. Uh, and I'll wait for those questions to come in because of the slight delay that we have over here. But... For the, the, the series that you have coming up, Monster Lab, uh, so at, at, when is that going to uh, premiere? Do you have a date for that? Yeah, episode one is January 3rd. I have all of the all of the episodes have release dates. I'm trying to, or I will stick to those schedules, and it, you'll, you'll be able to know when they're coming out. But January 3rd, and then it's basically uh, the first Sunday of every, of bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. So, um January, then two months ahead, type deal, and then in December we'll be releasing the last two episodes in December. We have former Afrojack in the chat. He says, "Has Hunter been asked by anybody else to do any voice work?" Yeah, uh, I work with Flash Gets a lot. We have a podcast now too, together called Cream Crew. But I, I've done several voices for them, and I get asked, <laughs> I get asked a <laughs> lot by SoundCloud rappers to do uh, backing tracks or something like that for songs or people's short horror films and stuff. And it really just comes down to like, I really only can find the time to 
uh, do stuff for like close friends and, and people that I <laughs> and everything because I, I I would love to do all of them, but it's just it, it becomes too much type deal. Like I, and then I and then I feel bad because I'm like, oh, well, I did it for him. Fuck, I guess I have to do it for these other people or something. So, <laughs> so I just have to, yeah. <laughs> so what are the rappers asking for when uh, they ask you to do voices? Oh, they always ask for. Uh, the Edda Nutty video is like oddly popular in the underground like rap scene and stuff. Uh, so they always ask for like me to say like a line in that voice or something like if I you know go down like this and I could say a backing line or something like that <laughs> for for a deal. <laughs> so, um, someone wants to know. This is a good question. Good simple question right here. Uh, mm. Let me see if I can find the person. Rocket Man seven 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 wants to know. What is the favorite video of yours that you've done? You know, I, I it's very hard. It's a very hard one. I mean, I, I feel like I don't know how much content creation you do and stuff, but I feel like every time you upload something, you get horribly depressed or I at least I do. I just I, I'm always like, <laughs> oh, it should have been better or something. Yeah. Um, and I think I have a level of hate and love for all my videos, but I think just out of the experience um, – I really enjoy the cat in the hat video I did. That was one where I stepped away and I was just like, I just really genuinely love this video. Um, and it was just great. That was like my, that's when I started like my friendship with uh, Max Mofo. Mm -hmm. And that guy is just, just one of the most genuinely nice and hilarious people I've ever met. And it was just great. And uh, that was like one of the first times too, where I was like, you know, I'm going to branch out and really try something new with the style. And then we ended up using the kind of like glitchy, uh, bitmap textures inside of the uh, cat's fur that was animated the whole time, and I just thought that I was just happy with how that came out. I was just really pleasantly surprised with how everything turned out. Someone wants to know, and I don't know if this is too vague, but an area mm. passed. So I'm sorry for not saying your name, but someone wants to know how did you get your style so exaggerated? Um, I think that it will with any kind of exaggeration, like in college and in. I went to Kansas City Art Institute, and in college we had a lot of cartoon and character design classes and stuff. And I think that you just find that you like to draw, you just like to draw random, uh, random stuff differently. Whether it's like, like I don't know why I just love drawing really tiny teeth and showing gum, or I like drawing, like I love drawing people's gums, and I like <laughs> the way that I draw people's mouths or whatever. I, you know, define cheekbones, and I think that it stems from. Even like Todd McFarlane um, stuff of like the way he like uses like skin folds and all that kind of stuff and all just like really funny grotesque things. And I think another way to help exaggerate your style too is depending on how you want to go. Like my whole deal was how can you you take a certain aspect of somebody of like OK, like uh, if somebody's eyes are really protruding or like mm -hmm. if they have like if the character design initially has big eyes of being like, how does that affect the skin on their face? Of like, if it's that big, it does it make their skin sag. Is it really tight on their face? And it's like asking yourself those questions and like, you know, pulling around even like that was the thing my teacher taught me. That I still find is helpful of like pulling your skin or doing stuff with your hands. It can kind of like, if you feel it, sometimes it's easier to like put it down on paper. Cause you're like, okay, it, it kind of feels like it's being tugged back this way or mm. anything like that. But yeah, I think it's just been a collection of, of shit of just like, uh, you know, looking at our crumb, sketchbooks that i have yeah. and um you know todd mcfarlane stuff and all sorts of stuff yeah did you go to art school someone wants to know that's uh crispy yeah. computer fish 
Yeah, I went to Kansas City Art Institute. It's a school in just Kansas City, like a private art school type deal in Kansas City. And you talked about making a movie at one time. Uh, and this is Duskin Jakenji. Uh, let me see. I'm sorry. No, it's Saul Goodman. Sorry about that. Saul Goodman wants to know, uh, do you have any plans maybe to work in something like comics? Yeah, you know, I think that um, I would like to do comics if I feel like I had an, like a story that would feel more applicable to that medium. You know what I mean? Like if I feel like if I'm like, oh, like this story's fun, but I might as well just animate it. I think that like certain mediums for me to like branch out in them, uh, it would just require a story where maybe it's just the panels themselves are, you know, give the timing or like it's that, that silence of reading it can add to the story. I think that like, it's just that kind of thought process interests me a lot. I think until then though, I just do more stuff of like stills of like painting or, uh, you know, sketching in my, uh, notebook or something like that. I think that, uh, that kind of escapism is really fun, but in terms of telling a story, yeah, I'd have, I'd have to see how, like why the comic translation mm -hmm. is more important versus, uh, just having it be animated and have it, you know, have the drawings come to life. Nice. Nice, man. Well, hey, look, I appreciate you. I know you're busy, man. You're working on a series right now. I want to thank you for being here and uh, hanging out and answering all these questions for us. Yeah, no problem at all. I really appreciate hey, it. It was a fun conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it was fun to listen to. It really was. And I, I even some people in here are saying, uh, especially when you were talking about drawing exaggerated characters, that advice actually helped some people. Uh, somebody saying that was, that was very helpful for you to do that. So actually appreciate everything man thank you so much and uh we'll definitely be looking at your stuff everybody this is hunter hancock has been talking with us today creator of the youtube channel very popular youtube channel 1.8 million subscribers on there uh also look for his series monster lab coming up but the youtube channel is meat canyon uh and again thank you man appreciate it yeah no problem take it easy take it easy bye-bye Bye-bye. And thank you guys. I was getting a little weird at the end. I had this dog in my lap, and I told you she can sense when the end of something is coming. I guess she can sense when the end of an interview is about to happen, too. So since she wants to go, I'm going to go ahead and get on my way. Uh, you should see how this... Uh, thank you. Thank you. I see people in the chat right now. Chat, sorry uh, I couldn't show you on the screen. I stopped showing a lot of... Uh, a lot of the, the, the chat because it just gets in the way of the interview when we plan on trying to put those up on YouTube later. We're going to have our own channel for that. But once again, thank you all for being here. Another great interview. And I say another great interview because of the person who gave us a great conversation. Uh, like I said, I, you know, I can do my part and come up and ask questions, but it's the answers that you get that really make these what they are. And I want to appreciate him and everybody that's come onto the show and shared their time with us and their wisdom and their experience. And I will see you guys later. Speaking of art, I'm going to be showing you guys some layouts for the animation that we're doing for our Patreon people. And we'll be doing that later tonight. Hope to see you there, at least at the time of this recording. But we got to go. I want you to see how this dog behaves when she hears this. Uh, she might, she might perk up. Watch this. Anyway, people, you know what to do, please. Even when we're not streaming, we love to hear from you. So do not hesitate to email us, pull up that keyboard and type in 
kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. Email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and our advice. Hit us up on the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I would love to hang out with you here in Austin, Texas when you come through, but I want to do it when it ain't going to kill either you or me. So please, when the time comes, when they got a vaccine and they stick it in Big Ronnie's ass and get her big ass out of here, we would love to hear from you. Until then, though, just let us know your future plans for Austin. You can do so by emailing us. You know where, kcoolmans at gmail.com. Email us and let us know if you're moving here or simply passing through. We'd love to hang out with you. See if she'll react to this right here. All right, everybody, that is it. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to or watching this, goodbye and stay toasty. See, she's getting anxious. Look at her. You ready to go, girl? Ready to get out of here? All right, all right. There she goes. She wants to go. All right, baby, we're done. We're done. Bye-bye. Hey, award-winning streamer I am Brandon here. Xfinity Internet delivers the best in-home Wi-Fi. It gives me Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig to game and stream from my legion of fans. Can your internet do that? Hit the banner to learn more. Restrictions apply. Requires gigabit internet and XY gateway. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. DoorDash helps you make cash fast. All you need is your bike and a smartphone. The sign-up process is super quick and easy. Now, you get to choose your own hours and be your own boss. And best of all, you get to keep 100% of your tips. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started.